You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we travel back to 1982 and talk about two films celebrating their 40th anniversaries. Let's go! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I win. Shall we begin? Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Podcast, everyone. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about films. Today's conversation should be a fun one. I got a first-time watch to talk about, and also a film I revisited from the year 1982. The movies, respectfully, are First Blood, starring Sylvester Stallone. And Tron, the Disney film that got a sequel and a theme park ride. Uh, it was appeared in like video games and such as well. Jeff Bridges is the prominent star in that film. Really excited to share my thoughts on both of these films, uh, especially First Blood. I, I rewatched that over the last couple of weeks, and it got better. It definitely got better for me. I realized how much this film is such. It's actually a pretty powerful movie, and we'll get into that shortly. Uh, but anyway, I hope everybody's doing well on this July 2nd, uh, 4th of July weekend here. Got a big event coming up here. I'm got in char- I'm charge of Seafair up in Seattle, which is a big fireworks show here. They also do the uh, hydroplane racing over here in, uh, in the Puget Sound area. I'm pretty excited to do this. My very first big event that I'm leading the charge on. So, uh, uh, yeah, they, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Anyway, that's, uh, that's enough for the work talk here. And before we go really in-depth into the two disc- film discussions today, I do want to bring attention to something, um, an actor that did pass away, and I give credit to Zach Saltz uh, for sending me this. Uh, uh, Joe Turkle who, from The Shining, he plays Lloyd the Bartender. He passed away today. And the, the bartender sequence in The Shining is one of my favorite little scenes in that film, a, a film filled with great sequences uh, but the bartender sequence specifically in Joe's performance here as Lloyd the bartender is really spot on. And the interactions with him and Jack, Jack Torrance, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson gives this great performance. And he, they, Joe, uh, Joe Turkle and Jack Nicholson place perfectly off each other as Lloyd and Jack Torrance here. With one of my favorite sequences here, and it, it's sad to see him... Uh, an iconic scene that he was in uh, and an actor there. But I definitely want to bring, uh, just talk about him for ever so briefly here. Uh, just paying tribute to one of my favorites here. So, yeah, uh, here's a little clip of Lloyd the Bartender from The Shining. Enjoy. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What let be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd. Because I just happen to have two twenties and two tens right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? No, sir. I'm not busy at all. Good man. 
You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. Say, Lloyd, uh, it seems I'm temporarily light. <laughs> How's my credit in this joint, anyway? Your credit's fine, Mr. Torrance. That's swell. I like you, Lloyd. I always liked you. You were always the best of them. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Thank you for saying so. All right. Well, thank you, Lloyd. Well, let's move on to our film reviews today. Today we're going to start off with First Blood starring Sylvester Stallone. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Morning. Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. Huh? You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. I'm starting to dislike you. Lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just save him. Try. Don't move. I don't want you to cut your own throat. John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! And straight for the top. Right on top of him. There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! And forced to fight back. Don't push it. Don't push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. Teasel, you and all your men couldn't handle him before. Now, what makes you think you can handle him now? Because God knows what damage he's prepared to do. First Blood is directed by Ted Kochev and is uh, written by Michael Kozol and based off the novel by David Morrell and it stars Sylvester Stallone as the character of John Rambo and also Brian Dennehy. We get to see Richard Crina, Billy McKenna, Jack Stardett, Michael Talbot, and David Caruso probably is the one that you recognize the most out of other than Sylvester Stallone probably from CSI Miami. But anyway, First Blood came out in... I'm trying to find that little page now. First Blood came out in October 22nd, 1982. And it said, like I said, celebrating its 40th anniversary. Now, when I last week, I originally spun Tron. I like to pair it up, either revisit a film or maybe even do two new ones. But when I realized First Blood was celebrating its 40th, I, I knew that I liked that movie a lot, because um, I have fond memories of watching it. For I've only seen it the one time before this, and I watched it with my dad, and I really enjoyed it. Didn't really understand it too much, because I, I guess I was relatively young, or didn't really care. It was kind of slower, slower paced, and I thought it was going to be a little more action, because we did see when Rambo came out. I think that was like 2007, I, I think, give or take a few years. My dad and I saw that in theater, and I wanted to watch First Blood for the first time, so we watched that one too. 
But anyway, uh, so I revisited First Blood this last couple weeks, and my goodness, what a movie. It went from three stars to three and a half stars, I will say that. It actually moved up in my top ten list as well. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, First Blood, man, what an experience uh, re-watching, revisiting. It is currently streaming on HBO Max, so definitely check a look out at that um, if you can. Uh, so the brief synopsis here on IMDb is a veteran Green Beret is forced by a cruel sheriff and his deputies to flee into the mountains and wage an escalating one-man war against his pursuers. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of action in that little synopsis. And while there is action to be had and some really cool set pieces, uh, considering the time, uh, this is more of a kind of, uh, there's some political undertones there with, uh, they talk about Vietnam and some war and PTSDs and PTSD in there as well. And it's a really good character study more than anything. And I think that's the most fascinating thing. Considering the scope of what the franchise, the five film franchise to this, to this point, what it's kind of known for is the overtop action. You don't remember so much this first one being so much about a character-driven film about a guy suffering from PTSD. He's a well-mannered guy, and Sylvester Stallone does a great performance here. Uh, Rewatching it, it's amazing to see this guy's acting chops because you just think of him as kind of the, kind of like, I guess he would fit in the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know they had their little rivalry back in the day too, but you would think of him as this big action star. Maybe he doesn't do the one-liners as much, but he does the big brooding uh, macho hero thing quite well. Uh, but this one, there is some really good acting chops to be had. Probably some of his best acting since Rocky, and or even Creed, I guess you can say, too. Uh, well, Creed came much later, of course. But yeah, he is a very talented actor, Stallone, and I really enjoyed the performance here. And I think that's something I really remembered. And I, I, I like the little the take where the small town wants to get him out, and kind of force him in a really cruel way, but he didn't do anything wrong. And so it's a really good kind of like, what's going to happen? You're, you're totally on board for this premise. It moves at relatively fast pace. There are some slower moments that really pay good uh, attention and detail to the character that uh, that is John Rambo. I really liked that a lot. And I think what I remember watching when I first time at this I kind of found myself kind of bored. I didn't really appreciate the smaller, small moments, the character-driven moments that this film does have. And I think that's some, the biggest uh, thing that I regret the most from my first time watch. Because I, I, this could have, this is arguably could be a top 100 movie. Maybe if I appreciated it more when I was younger. So rewatching it, it'd be interesting to see how it climbs up the ranks of my favorite films because this this one has a little bit of everything that I really love in movies. It has really good smaller, slower character-driven moments, a really good thrilling moments too, and some good action too. I'm not gonna say that I don't like action because I do. And uh, but I just really just enjoyed it and was glued to my TV as I was watching this on HBO. And yeah, it's one of my favorite rewatches recently. And arguably that could go four stars, but I think right for right now I'm going to go three and a half. Uh, and yeah, but let's let's talk about some of the, the, the fun stuff in here. Let's talk about the uh, the box office, shall we? The budget for this movie surprisingly was only fifteen million dollars uh, back in 1982. So 
that's really dang cool. Only $15 million. Opening weekend, though, it was only made a little over $6.5 million for U.S. and Canada. The, the overall gross worldwide, though, was $125 million. So over $125 million. So a really dang... Um, that made a lot of money, obviously. That's why it would spur so many sequels here. It only has a running time of an hour and 33 minutes. So it's a, it's a shorter film, but it every second of screen time pays off brilliantly. There. Um, also, this movie is also known as Rambo First Blood 2. And let's see here. Um, like I said, it came out. I, I saw a fun fact here. This, let me see here. Um, let me. Where's that fun fact that I said I uh, found? It was something referring to the the rotting flesh that he finds in the forest. Let me find that. Ah, yes, here it is. And it's on the trivia page on IMDb. The large piece of rotten flesh or canvas that Rambo finds in the woods and cuts into a makeshift coat was, in fact, not a movie prop, but a real piece of rotten canvas found by the film crew during the movie's production. Since there was only one piece, Sylvester Stallone joked about how the canvas became a treasured prop on the set. After the filming ended, Stallone kept the rotten canvas and still has it in his possession to this very day. Wow, what an interesting little factoid. Cause I, I honestly, when you're watching that sequence when that he actually finds that, it just looks like it's a prop, right? And you, you can't really tell. Maybe it's rotten. Maybe I thought it was just aged or weathered a little bit. But well, that's a pretty, uh, I think that was pretty, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Especially considering he uh, kept it himself. Um, before we really go into this, you get any, I got, got a couple awards nominations here. We'll go over that in a second too. But I want to look at Ted uh, Kochef's uh, direct, directions. He, uh, see what movies he's gone over and directed over his course of his, his career here. His last, uh, that's his producing credits. Let's hide that bar here. We're going to, he's directed 52 movies. His last film that he's directed was a Soul of an Artist. which came out in 2017. Uh, we have a couple First Bloods, deleted scenes and alternate endings and humorous, uh, humorous edit stuff there in the 2014 area. Um, let's see, a couple of episodes of Law and Order trying to find anything that of notoriety here let's go down to the bottom here bunch of tv series is bunch of tv specials for sure i uh, did the original fun with dick and jane in 1977 1977 first blood came out in 1982 um let's see here weekend and bernie's is probably one that's going to be the biggest well most well-known one besides that came in in 1989. I've never seen that one, but I've heard interesting things about it. And really, that's about all he's got for big movies is Weekend at Bernie's and First Blood. What an interesting... I would never have guessed that. I thought he his direction was actually really good. I wonder why that is. He's done some other films, but they're mostly like TV movies and TV series. What a weird, like, filmography. He did, like, a film called Winter People in 1989, Switching Channels. He did some, like, late 80s movies, but everything in the 90s looks like a TV movie here. Or a couple of episodes of Red Shoe Diaries. He did seven episodes of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. And then, yeah, he made a documentary in 2017. It's, it's like, what a 
sparse like filmography. That or uh, that is a uh, really kind of odd, strange. Anyway, uh, in closing, let's go over to our last uh, our last little segment. I've been trying to hit on the award award section here on the film. Didn't get a whole lot of nominations for back for 1982, but they got a couple interesting ones here. I got uh, for, got nominated for the Jupiter Award for Best International Actor for Sylvester Stallone for Rocky Three. Not sure why First Blood got this uh, this attribute here, but uh, maybe was because this I, I, legit. It says Rocky Three on this First Blood Awards page here. Interesting. Oh, and this is even weirder. DVD Executive Exclusives Awards. Now, it was nominated for Best Overall New Extra Features and Library Release for Rambo First Blood Part 2. Like, what? This is not even for First Blood. What? A we- Check out IMDb. Look at look at the, the awards thing for First Blood. So this was kind of a waste of time. I apologize. Uh, yeah, let me talk about awards, not even for the movie we're talking about. Uh, for overall, my ending closing thoughts for uh, First Blood. I'm not going to reveal my top 10 quite yet for 1982. I'll talk about that at the end of the next segment when we talk about Tron, because who knows that may be in my top 10. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, First Blood, a very solid, amazing film that is has a really good undertones of the the war in Vietnam. It's, very, it's a film of its time and era. And has it's a really good character study on Pete and has good messages on PTSD and the importance of uh, why we should uh, take care of our veterans as well. And John Rambo is such a fascinating character with a brilliant performance by Sylvester Stallone. The Brian Dennehy uh, character, uh, this cop, it gives a great uh, douchebag performance here as uh, a Tessie. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a very, 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 very good movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. It's three and a half stars. I, I actually really want to watch it again as I go through. I, want, I haven't actually watched First Blood two. I don't think or, or no no Rambo three. I haven't seen. That's the one I haven't seen yet. Uh, but I, I definitely want to rewatch the series again. Uh, but in the context of the series, which I love how over the top and violent the series is, I love this film the best. And this is probably my favorite film in that franchise. To this date, to this point anyway. So, anyway, that's my thoughts on First Blood. Now let's move on to 1982's Disney's Tron. The computer. An extension of the human intellect. The NCOM 511. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. I still do not understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these memories is the evidence. big master control program everybody's been talking about. Kevin Flynn, computer genius. 
taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. Tron. It also came out in 1992 and it was directed by Steven Leisberger. Came out July 9th, 1982. So almost at the its anniversary date in a few days. And this film stars Jeff Bridges, Bruce Boxleitner, David Warner, Cindy Morgan, Bernard Hughes, and Don Shore, along with others. And Tron, I, mean, I really wasn't really familiar with the project too much. I did watch the 2010 Tron Legacy, I believe, and that was the first experience in Tron. I guess not technically my first experience in Tron. The movies, probably yes, but my first experience was Kingdom Hearts True. They Kingdom Hearts Two. They have a level where they go into the the Tron world, and uh, they interact with characters there in this video game. Really fun game. But anyway. Talk about the films now. Uh, this first film, the synopsis here on IMDb, is a computer hacker is abducted into a digital world and forced to participate in a gladiatorial games where his only chance of escape is with the help of a her heroic security program. All right. So the screenplay for this film was written by Steven Iceberg, Bonnie uh, MacBird, who did the story, and Charles S. Hayes. It was nominated for two Oscars. And like I said, it has a very young Jeff Bridges. And Jeff Bridges does reprise, reprise or his role. He plays Kevin Flynn in this film. And the whole Tron Legacy movie is about going to this son trying to find his father. So anyway, uh, my really opinions on this film is that when I rolled this, or spun this rather, I wasn't really anticipating, um, you know, I didn't really have any expectations going into it. And... This film, for me, it took me a long time to even get into it. Unlike First Blood, where I enjoy some of those slower movie moments, this movie just felt really oddly placed or paced for me. There's really interesting elements, however, that make it, like I can see, kind of having a cult status in a way. Uh, I, I liked the little arcade moments. I loved Jeff Bridges in this one. I love seeing young him, uh, Jeff Bridges. He's really... Uh, charismatic and really leads whenever he's on the screen like he leads gives it his best his, his all in this film and the visual effects which were really kind of really good and well done uh, for the time i did read on the trivia page here that they were disqualified at the oscars because the academy members thought that using computers was cheating for that's why they didn't get a nomination for visual effects one of the big oversights probably of 1982 for visuals because it probably could have won to be honest I'm not really familiar with that other movies that got nominated for visuals mind you but if they were considering that computers would be okay this one could be uh right up there in contention uh, but it's an interesting piece this film has very interesting uh, costume design and production design that makes it kind of a uh, um time capsule of itself and where films were at there it's probably very ahead of its time at the time and not many people have seen anything like this coming back in 1982 obviously saw we saw big spectacles like star wars come out a couple years earlier and some other uh other sciencey fiction stuff but nothing quite maybe to this level doesn't i don't feel like this movie gets talked about a ton uh, today 
I know that a lot of people are championing like maybe a Tron 3 to come out because Uprising actually was pretty dang good. I think that was actually a really solid movie and see where the special effects and visual effects were such like ahead of its time or, you know, how much the newer uh, um, the newer special effects and all the technology upgrades that we've had since this movie has come out is, um, is you know, I don't know what I'm talking I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I kind of talked myself into a circle here. But anyway, the visual specs now help this movie improve so much better. That's what I'm trying to say. But anyway, uh, my overall takes, though, for Tron is that even though I enjoyed and appreciate a lot of where this film was coming from, I kind of found myself rather bored with it. I, I couldn't really get into it. I kind of got confused a couple times. And it took me a couple times to watch this movie all the way through. Uh, just because I just kind of got bored, I wanted to take a break from it. I kind of just got kind of exhausted with it. The good thing is that it was it is streaming on HBO, not HBO, but Disney Plus rather. So I was able to uh, kind of find it relatively easily on that platform. Uh, so overall, I'm not really high on this movie. I pro it probably deserves another rewatch to be honest for me, and. That's where currently I'm not only at two stars for the movie, I'm considerably lower than Terry who put it in his top 10 of 1982 and even Todd who gave it two and a half. Uh, I appreciate a lot of the the effects and the technology and the costume, the, the production design. Those are some really good things about the film that I really liked. But overall, the story for me, I just could not get into and I tried my best to get into it. I just didn't find myself caring or having some kind of block in my head where I just couldn't get focused and get into the film and the story that the, the movie was trying to tell me. I was more impressed by the things around the film not instead of the substance that made up the movie. Jeff Bridges, however, is really awesome. You can tell where he was going to be a huge star uh, going forward and an Oscar winner as well. Speaking of Oscars, let's go into the uh, nomination. Actually, you know what? We have to back up a little bit because we talk about the, uh, the box office. This is a very interesting box office score here. The budget for this movie was $17 million. Opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada only made a little less than $5 million. So not a really good, promising opening weekend. And overall, this is not how, this worldwide box office is so low. They don't even, they only count the U.S. and Canada. And it's, it's only $500 into the, it's, it's only um, $33 million and three. $33,525 no, $33, to be exact on the box office total. So not a worldwide box office hit or by any means. It's only an hour and 36 minutes. Felt a lot longer, to be honest with you. Uh, but anyway, let's jump into those Oscar-nominated uh, things here. There's a couple wins, a couple nominations, it says here. But it got nominated, did get nominated for two Oscars. At the Academy Awards, it got nominated for Best Costumes and Best Sound, things I think it should have got nominated for. Production design, uh, it could have it would have been probably harder to get into that category, but costumes, yeah, I can definitely see that. For the BAFTA Awards, it got be nominated for Best Visual Effects, which is deserving uh, nominations for Richard Taylor and Harrison Ellen Shaw. But it's kind of weird that they didn't get nominated for the Oscar because they thought it was cheating. Kind of funny. Academy of Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Films in the U.S. It actually won for Best Costumes. And that was its first win. And it got nominated for Best Science Fiction Film and Best Animated Film. Very interesting that it got nominated for the animated one. Uh, the DVD Exclusives Award, we mentioned that last time too. It got nominated for a couple things there. 
the Guinness World Record, it actually won for this, the Guinness World Record Awards, it won for first use of computer-generated, gen, first film of computer-generated animation for Steven Linesburg. So that's the uh, winner for Guinness World Records. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. And the Young Artist Awards for Best Family Feature Animated Musical or Fantasy got nominated for Tron as well. So a couple of uh, accolades on the mantle for good old Tron here with Disney. Uh, but again, for my closing really thoughts on Tron is that this movie probably is underappreciated, especially by me. It doesn't really get talked about a whole lot anymore. But the visual effects and costumes and production design I think are some of the some really cool and really interesting ways they take the film. But for me, I just could not get into that story. Uh, but I really was amazed by Jeff Bridges' um, really outstanding, kind of really charismatic performance that he gives here. So probably deserves another watch, but I'm giving it currently only two stars for me. But anyway, let's jump into our uh, top ten for 1982. Tron does not make my list. I've only seen 15, yeah, 15 movies on my 1982 list, and Tron is only number 13 on my list. My top 10, as of right now, number 10, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, very underrated Halloween movie, I can tell you that. Fast Times at Richmond High comes in at number 9. Number 8, Poltergeist. This movie's playing on the big screen pretty soon. I think I need to go watch this movie. Uh, number 7 is Tootsie. 6 is Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. 5 is where I put First Blood. Four is a documentary called Genocide. Three is E.T. Extraterrestrial. Two, Blade Runner. And number one, The Thing. Those three films that I mentioned, Blade Runner, Thing, and E.T., all appeared in my top 100 list. But First Blood, I can definitely see another rewatch. Could definitely sneak into the argument of being in my next, like, next 100, my next uh, list go around there. So First Blood, damn good movie there. I could probably sneak into my top 100. But without further ado, let's go into the mystery wheel and see what year that we journey to next. All right, we're back at the mystery wheel here, folks. You know the drill. If it has a two or a seven in the tight or in the year, that is the, the year that we can journey back to. Those anniversaries are selling five or ten or going all the way back to. You know, normally, I do 1982. However, I threw in 1977 because I looked at my thing list. I haven't even seen that many films from 1977, so... Wanted to go back, maybe try to try press my luck. You also see on this wheel Spielberg and the big blind spots that are not celebrating anniversaries. So let's take a spin here. Here we go. All right, here we go. Uh oh, what we got? What we got? Oh, here we go. Okay. I like it. I like it. All right, so what we got? What we got here was Spielberg. We are taking another journey with Spielberg on the next episode. I know there's one film that is celebrating its anniversary this year, so I might try to tie those in together. Uh, I think the film that I do want to talk about with Spielberg, the one I haven't seen yet, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But uh, as always, I may just try to throw uh, some lists of films here I want to talk about. And we might just uh, do the journey there. Uh, so let's take a look here. Let's put that's, throw some Spielberg movies on there. All right, so I put about five, six films in this uh, Spielberg uh, next series that we're going into. A couple of movies I have seen here. 
that I haven't ever really talked about on the podcast. That's the Temple of Doom. I just saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I want to go watch, show my daughter Temple of Doom at some point too. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is celebrating 45 years. It just came out in 1977. The Sugarland Express, which came out in 1974, stars Goldie Hawn. Never seen that film. One of his first movies is called Duel. Uh, never seen that one either. Ready Player One, I uh, have seen it. Think it's fun i want to talk about it and on another film celebrating its anniversary is empire of the sun came out in 1987 so let's spin this wheel find out what we're talking about and go from there okay yes okay it's perfect okay i like it i dig it i dig it i dig it the film that we got was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, really excited to talk about this next Indiana Jones chapter. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark I did review last year, so make sure you check a look at that episode as well. So anyway, uh, Temple of Doom will be on the next episode of the podcast, so stick tuned. Stay tuned, everybody. Anyway, until next time, I will talk to you guys in the next episode. We'll see you later. Bye.